0: And thank you for listening to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. This is a passion project I have to bring you insight and tactical advice that you can take and run with today from myself and a very talented and genuine group of guests brought together to help you take your family experience from good to great and build that foundation of confidence and respect and wisdom that every parent wants to see their child master before they ever leave home. What I really love though is connecting with you and giving you a space to connect with each other, which is exactly why the Family Architects Club exists. This private parents club is designed for every parent going through the 65 70 Those 6,570 days of the parenthood childhood dynamic, which is where your most influential and most impactful window exists as a parent. And this community supports, it guides, it laughs, it builds together to help you in the greatest project that you will ever have as a parent. That being the 6570 Family Project. So I invite you to come on into this club, get to know people, and see what is waiting for you, including a free members only gift that you will love and use over and over and over again as a parent. So I can't wait to see you there. And you can just go to nellyharden.com slash community. Again, that's nellieharden.com slash community to get connected and get your free members only gift. So I will see you there. Hello and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy. Come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics, and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents, and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sip an iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock-solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 6570 Family Project podcast. No matter if this is your first time here, or you've been around for a while, you are here because you are a parent or thinking about being a parent, and you want to help build those kids into the best version of themselves. And that's exactly what we're doing here. We are building confidence. We are building respect. We are building wisdom into these kids all during their childhood so that they are equipped with that before they ever leave Home. So today this goes perfectly with us and. Honestly, with me, uh, I have a 16 year old, two 14 year olds, and a 12 year old. And our guest on here today, Stephanie Haynes, is an education coach and consultant. You guys, she uh, provides custom educational consulting and coaching for high school students, educators, and schools that equips all of them to build a pathway to a future that the teens are excited about. They want to pursue it. And she specializes in post high school school pathway development and goal uh, goal setting and time management and classroom and school culture development. When I sat down with Stephanie earlier today, I was blown away because right now my kiddo is between her junior in, or I'm sorry, she's in her junior. We're going into senior next year. And it's kind of this snowball effect for both child and parent. She's my oldest. So this is the first time we're going through this. Um, this. This is the first time our family is going through this, right? And what are the options that are out there? And Stephanie does such a great job in this interview of walking us through the five most common and pathways of post-high school education. Now, some people don't have post-high school education. They go directly into business. They go directly into uh, missions work or whatever that is. And that is good too. But we are talking about the people that have a post-high school Uh, education path. And that's where we go today. And this is so enlightening. Be sure you have a pen and paper out. I wish I would have like had a pen and paper out when my kids were like, when I was doing this, but it's all good, right? We, we uh, love the time that we have left. We don't just think about the time that has gone on. So anyway, go grab a nice uh, cold beverage, a nice warm beverage, whatever you want, a pen and paper, and listen in on this discussion with Stephanie. And without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Okay, you guys, I have told you uh, about a little bit about Stephanie. I'm so excited to have her on here. So first of all, welcome to the show, Stephanie.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, I am so excited too. And
0: so like I said, Stephanie is an education coach and consultant. And if you've been listening to this at all, you know that I am, uh, we've had all over the place with education. And if you're brand new, I personally have Four kids that are 16, 14, 14, and 12. And we do some homeschooling. We have some dual enrollment happening. We've done every kind of school under the spectrum. And now we're getting to this uh, pivot point, right? That we're really looking at the future. So I cannot mm-hmm. wait to see uh, what Stephanie is going to share with us today. So, but before we get into that, you are obviously a leader and education coaching consultant, like you said, and you provide these custom educational Um, consulting and coaching for Mm -hmm. high school students, Mm -hmm. educators, and schools that equips all stakeholders to build a pathway to a future where teens are excited to pursue. And how- I mean, not to be redundant, how exciting would it be to have your teen excited to pursue, right? And not just dreaded or not just lackadaisical and like, well, I guess this is what I have to do next. So I guess this is what I'm going to do, right? Or the dread. And that's what you get to specialize in. So I would love Mm -hmm. to know how you've gotten to this place and what Mm -hmm. has your journey been like to be this uh,
1: educational leader that you are today? (laughs) That's a really great question. And it's a very... A detailed story, so I'm going to give you like the snapshot because we don't need to talk too much about it. But <laughs> to establish that I actually do know what I'm talking about, um, I have wanted to be a teacher since I was in the second grade. I had a second grade teacher who inspired me, and it never changed. Mm-hmm. So all through high school, all through middle school, I'm watching and learning because I'm like, I'm going to be a teacher. I need to figure this out before I get there. I chose to go to the top teaching school in the nation at that point. Um, And it still is ranked one in the top 10, which is incredible because I had no idea the training I received was so state-of-the-art. I taught in California, which is where I grew up, for 10 years. I taught in a public school, but I also taught for what was a preliminary charter school, if you will. It was a school within a school, and I worked with the demographic of kids that that the other teachers didn't want to work with. It was at-risk kids that... They thought we're going to cause problems and we're never really on task in class and all those kinds of kids and we got them through high school and graduated and successful and I learned during that time that huh. A kid is stereotyped in one way will live up to that stereotype, but a kid who is stereotyped or labeled in a different way will live up to that label too, and so I learned that if I could help them see who they were and who they already could be and what their future could hold for them. They tended to start believing that, too. Mm -hmm. And so helping them develop what was not even termed at this point, because I started teaching in 1991. So it's been a long time. Um, It was not even termed a growth mindset or, you know, limited mindset, that whole thing. I just understood that these kids felt stuck and I didn't like them being stuck because I thought they could do better. They could definitely do something. I never believe that somebody can't accomplish something and so working with those kids and training them to believe that they could do something and then working with them intensely for three years i learned a ton about kids and i learned a ton about the education system and i learned a ton about the stereotypes and so breaking those down i thought oh this is the best thing ever when you have a kid who didn't believe they could graduate because they're in a a gang and they don't have any parents at home and their home life is like they make law and order episodes about it when they graduate and they have certification to be an EMT, and they're like, "I'm doing something," and they're getting out of what they're stuck in, there's no better feeling in the world for me as an educator. So, that was the first part. Well, during this time, I'm also having kids. I have a, now I have a 25 year old, God, no, 24, and a 20 <laughs> year old. Oh my gosh, he just turned 20. So I have no more teenagers. But. Um, i was having these kids and i thought well do i stay home do i work do what does this look like my husband got a new job and we moved to south carolina Hmm. well that's a huge move yes (laughs) and he was traveling he said let's just have you stay home and so on so i stayed home for a while my kids went off to school i was so happy on the day both my son and my daughter were finally in school and then my daughter had some troubles Um, Hmm. There was some bullying there was some just some not good things and i watched how the school responded And nothing against our school. They were trying to be as supportive as possible, which can't stop the cancer of bullying the way they were trying. And so we brought our daughter home and we homeschooled her fourth through eighth. And my son decided he went home too. So we homeschooled him first through fifth and had an amazing experience. So I'm here, I'm a homeschool educator for my own kids. And the program that we taught in, I became a teacher for them too. So I taught English. Um, for the homeschool program. And then, so I worked in that dynamic and I realized, oh yeah, these kids, they don't think they cannot do things. There's an environment here that matters. They've been shown that they have opportunity to do things differently. They don't fit that traditional mold. Fast forward, my daughter went to private school for a year, decided it was not for her, went to pu- public school. Our son, me- meanwhile, he was doing well in the public school, but not so great. And we ended up having opportunity to move back to South Carolina, because we had moved to Missouri for a while came back and taught, I started teaching again in a charter school. This particular charter school was based on a premise of elite athletics and elite academics. So kids who went there got dual enrollment credit starting as early as their sophomore year of high school. Hmm. And they also got elite training with a ton of recruiting if they wanted to play collegiate sports. There's also a third element. If you didn't wanna be that, that was fine too. He wanted to be a collegiate athlete and he is to this at this day and he earned um, 45 college credits before he even got to college hmm. so I watched that environment but when these kids showed up to this school they were showing up full of anxiety anger fear just believing that they were never going to be good enough if they couldn't get a 4.0 or higher now it's like a six point scale I don't even know where that came from um, if they didn't get up there they were never getting into college which meant they were never going to be successful and they were failures well, that's not true. I know that, you know that, but somehow our culture had translated the message of success to one way only. You've gotta to go to college to be successful. And it's not true, but they had been molded into that belief and their parents, no judgment on them, had been molded into that too. It started when I first started teaching. It's been going on and I thought there's gotta change. I left teaching, got at my coaching certification and decided I'm gonna change the education world one kid at a time and help them break that mold but in the meantime, I also got hired to work with schools to help them build that culture of success to make sure that all kids could be successful, not just the ones who are going off to college and to promote that idea of success. Because if you or your listeners have ever been in a high school, they promote signing day for athletes and they promote the college acceptance letter when kids think about community college or trade schools or any of the military not often as celebrated and that's not okay. Yeah. We need to make sure they're all celebrated. So that's kind of, that's like, I hope that's enough, not too much. Yes. That's my no.
0: I think that's fascinating. And I I was taking notes while you were going along, like, uh, especially in the beginning with these, these generational cycles that we see, right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, trying to break these generational molds. So you can be unstuck and, and be free and the whole be, do have, right. Have, be the person that you, uh, you need to believe it first though. Right. Yes, right. Um, yeah. And so uh, you know, I even have um, this tattoo on my wrist in the first step right here. It's it's because it's like my life journey. It's my faith journey even, um, but believe is the very first mm-hmm. thing and you need to believe mm-hmm. it before you can be it. So be, do, and then you have, right? It's not that you right. already have it or that you're already right. that kind of person. You need to believe that you can uh, be. So anyway, I love that journey and uh, all the moves. We did a move to, uh, we only did half a country though. You did a whole country, we did half a country. <laughs> you know. And we went from Indianapolis, to North Carolina um, back in 2015. So I get the big move thing um, mm-hmm. for sure. But I find it really interesting that, uh, especially in this elitist school you were going in, I mean, you really swung the pendulum from one <laughs> side to another, you know? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. you
0: <laughs> <Going, For> were <laughs> going there, but it gave you so much perspective. And what mm-hmm. I find fascinating is that. The kids going into the elite school had the same internal dialogue as the kids that were, you know, coming from gangs.
1: Yes, they were just as trapped as each other. There's nobody was less trapped.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I find, I think that's something to very much keep in mind. And, you know, I came um, from a background of, um, you know, my mom didn't go to college, but darn it if I wasn't going to college. Right. Mm -hmm. But I always wanted Mm -hmm. to go to college. So that wasn't an issue. Um, But did I always want to, because that was always the path. I don't know. I can't go back and, you know, and pick apart that psychology there, but I did. And I, I loved it. And I have degrees in biology, psychology. And so, and I've been able to use them in so many different ways in my life. But when it came to our kids, you know, Mm -hmm. so many people, they're like, Oh, you have kids, you have to set up a 529." And I was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, okay, so we did it for like a year. And then we really started, you know, um, that was for my oldest, she's 16 now. And we started thinking more, um, when she was even younger and we're like, well, I don't want to pigeonhole her into something that, who knows she might not want to do there's plenty of super successful people out mm-hmm. there both mm-hmm. monetarily successful but also even more importantly emotionally successful right and uh fulfillment successful um right. in life working right. for nonprofits and all of these things that right. did not go to college and so i'm like i don't know so we backed out of that one and we set up different funds for our kids mm-hmm. And every, I can't tell you how many people have been like, and I'm not saying something against a 529, you want to do 529? You know, that's great. I'm saying for our decision, for our fam, for our family, it just was not in the cards, but we got so much flack for that. And every time we brought up why people would just look at us sideways. And so I find that really interesting. Uh, So tell me a little bit about that. Where do you think this comes from? This Mm -hmm. um, must do high school, must do college, you know, grad work Mm -hmm. is, is cut and paste, but where, because my mom didn't go to college and I don't feel like that was the case in the, you know, 60s, 70s, by Mm -hmm. any means, 80s, we were kind of transitioning, but by the time I graduated high school in 96, and it was a pretty set in stone, Yep. you know,
1: it was and you're right in saying it was a, it was, um, What is it? When you put a a frog in a pot of water and you slowly turn up the heat and never knows it's being boiled, Mm -hmm. right? The same was happening in education. So when I first graduated high school, I graduated high school in 1987. I was not of the majority going off to a four-year college. I was definitely not in the majority actually knowing what I wanted to do. So I had that difference. Most of my students, my fellow classmates, went to a community college or went right into working with their families in their family business or maybe went to a trade school and got some um, certifications and some things so they could get into an industry area. That was kind of where it is when I graduated college with my teaching certification, five years later and stepped back into the high school setting. That was still kind of the dynamic, and this was a time when there were no standards, there was no aligned curriculum. There was no established curriculum. You could walk into one English one classroom and another English one classroom. They'd be completely different. Mm. Maybe the same books, but not necessarily the same essay topics or tests or anything else. And so we were doing fine. We had a great time. Along the way, um, more and more parents started saying, we want a better life for our kids, understandably. Now, the 80s had ushered in that whole age of Glitter and money and car phones and, you know, what is it L.A. Law and all that kind of stuff <laughs> that had started. Yeah. So they wanted their kids to go off to college because those were the where you got those degrees. Well, colleges were saying, hey, wait, these kids aren't coming prepared. They're not coming with enough base knowledge that we need them to have to be successful here. So they started communicating with school districts and state education departments and partnering and saying, especially state schools, we need you to do a better job in the high schools to make sure that these kids are prepared so what suffered the arts programs the trades programs you notice those all started going away and now how you have these graduation requirements of four years of english three plus years of math four years of social studies ish four years of science depending you know you have some electives you get to throw in there but nothing strategic nothing specific mm-hmm. about developing towards a career pathway that has since morphed and now everybody was like well we're going this is a school that goes to college now you have school report cards well what was that report card based on how many kids went to college how high were their ACT scores how high were their SAT scores that indicated property values which indicated taxes that go into the school system right so the system changed in what was valued and what was important and as that became much more um widespread now we add in, you know, at the time when I first started teaching, there was no Internet, none. Mm. There was yeah. no way to, to let anybody else know what you were doing. Um, five years in, there was Internet, and we got to all of a sudden be expanded to the entire country. What was going on in education? Now we all got connected in all kinds of ways. And then it, you started standards, and now you have standardized testing because we were failing as, you know, a country. And it's all ugly when you look at it in that perspective. Yeah. So it's been this slow rise of college is the only way. And it's gotten to the point and you indicated that mold, even that the people that your world are living in, that you have to save money for college as a parent. Yes, you have to do that 529, or you're not doing a good job as a parent, you're somehow, you know, putting your child at a disadvantage. Right. And that means you're expected to get them into a high school and get them get good grades. And then they get on a good college, which is going to give them a good job, which is going to give them a good life. The problem is, Nobody ever defines that it was just this assumption. And the millennial generation proved us wrong. Hmm. They said, wait, you told us to go to college. You told us to take on hundreds of thousands of debts because you told us we were going to have a good job that was going to pay off these debts and we were going to be okay. And that didn't happen. We had yeah. 2008, you know, we had all kinds of problems. So we're becoming more aware But the system, of course, is slow to change. Education is one of the slowest systems in the world to change. And so it's gradually deciding whether or not it wants to move that way. Um, And that's where I'm coming in. That's where other people like me come in who are trying to help schools recognize it can be different and we have to help parents recognize it can be different and we have to help kids realize you can be successful in a variety of ways. But we have to retrain the way they think. Right.
0: I I find it so interesting. So my oldest is very, um, is very, very academically inclined. She just Mm -hmm. always has been, and it's really easy. And it was really easy to be like, Oh, she's very academically inclined. She's doing very well in school. She could do, you know, ABCD therefore she is a well-rounded, great kid and doing super well. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know the the gears started turning a while ago and and she is you know a great kid and everything but Um, I, uh, just had an emotional intelligence expert on here, um, a few episodes Mm -hmm. ago and talking about how, you know, when that academic is really high, a lot of times the emotional intelligence is low. The interpersonal might be somewhere in between and Mm -hmm. things. And I was like, oh, that is so true. And it's definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, what we've seen and it really does come down to why did, getting an A become the be all end all and define who you are as a person. And I experienced that myself. I am not like my child and I was not super (laughs) academically gifted. I was definitely, I mean, I wasn't terrible. I was an AB student. I don't know if my daughter's ever gotten a B in her life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I was an AB student, but my friends, I went to a high school that kind of sounds like the one that you were talking about a little bit. It was, there was a lot of, um, elite uh, um, mm-hmm. families in this yes. high school. I was not one of them. I lived kind of across the street, but that's fine. I still was in the, I was zoned for this school. I was like, what am right. I doing here? You know, we didn't right. have a downtown. We had an uptown where I went to uh-huh. high school. And so, um, Anyway, and my husband just laughs about that. I'll be, my husband and I have been together since we were 18. And so, uh, you know, we would, I would take him to my hometown. He's like, what is happening? Why is there Mm -hmm. kids in Lamborghinis? I'm like, I don't know. I have my 1980 Cutlass, you know, (laughs) going along. Yep. 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 For (laughs) sure. But I faced that because I had so many friends that went off to these amazing, uh, schools on amazing Mm -hmm. scholarships and everything. And I went to a great school, but I definitely didn't get any scholarships there. And so I defined myself as Mm -hmm. I am not smart, right? I am not smart. because I don't get these grades. I don't have this interest in my academic life. Therefore I am less than, and it really Mm -hmm. did carve a path for me in some ways until I was able to become much smarter in my thirties and forties. Um, and see that that wasn't the case, but that took a long time. And I never Mm -hmm. wanted to, you know, do that with, with my own kids. So, so we know kind of what happened. So what are some, when you go into these schools and talk to these families, what are some of these options that you are telling them, right? It's school is, or I mean, not school, uh, college is an option, right? Yes. yes, Um, But there's other ones too. So can you run through some of those?
1: Yeah, I actually help them focus on, okay, career pathways. Let's talk about careers. And that's usually the premise that I have them Mm focus on with their kids it's not about what option you're going to do not what college whatever it's what career what do you want to spend your time doing in your 30s or whatever right but once we come back to that we look at see how do you get trained to be in that career and there's a variety of ways there's actually depending on the career six options that you can you can involve yourself in after high school combinations of them are key so they can become a lot the call, the traditional four-year college is absolutely one of those options it's now actually not four years. The average length of time in a college setting is five and a half because most students go and they don't really know what they're doing mm. and they change their major multiple times and it gives colleges more money so they can yeah. to take more classes. The side part of that is the collegiate athlete. A lot of people find a lot of prestige and getting the D1 school, you know, scholarship if they think their kids are that great in the sport and they get that scholarship or they get that offer and so on. So that's actually a side issue because that requires its own preparation in order to become a collegiate athlete and it's a whole different dynamic when it comes to school the level of school indicates the kind of education that it's focused on and all kinds of things so that's its own option um, then you have the traditional options that were very much important and valued before everybody placed emphasis on the four-year college the first one would be the local community college Right most people overlook the Community college one because they don't think it gives their child a chance to get that college experience. In my personal opinion, why that freshman sophomore college experience is so important i'm not quite sure, because as a college student as a parent of a college student. And as a person who's on college campuses it's not really about education it's about all kinds of things right and you're paying for it so but most parents overlook it because of that and there's a stigma if you go to community college because you weren't smart enough to get into four-year college which is not true community colleges today offer a ton of resources from apprenticeship programs to certification programs to uh, associates degrees and associates degrees that transfer and so all of that is something you can find on any community college campus and that can do a variety of things for students you can stay home save money get your general education requirements out of the way and transfer to a four-year college. And you will have saved, depending on where you are, anywhere from thousands to, you know, five hundreds, it depends. A lot of community colleges are offering their classes for free. So you're not paying for those general education courses that at a regular four-year university, you're paying anywhere between 16 and 25, $45,000 in that year for, right? right? So there's a big difference and you're not paying living expenses. But you're also looking at particular certifications. So you can get trained in any number of industries. You can get trained in cosmetology, hospitality, culinary. Um, You can work as a chef. You can work as a baker. All kinds of careers can be housed in a two, 18 to 24 month certification program, which often has an associate's degree attached to it. Parents often balk because like, well, it's only skills training. They need some college. Not quite sure why, but that's okay go get your AA with it. It's fine. You get business. You can, I mean, there's a ton. If you haven't looked at the, what the offerings are of your local community college, you're missing out. So there's one option. The next option are the trade schools and apprenticeship programs that are local to your areas. Um, the trades, as we've now seen are in a huge demand, huge, yeah. all of us locked down on COVID wanted everything to be done to our house. And there were no people to do it. There's not enough. <laughs> yeah. Right learning how to build things, fix things, create things, all of those hands-on learnings and what a trade school can do. In addition to things like cybersecurity, you can learn all kinds about IT and taking care of computers and building computer systems. I mean, there's endless opportunities for people who go into trade jobs or trade careers, right? So trade schools provide that. The benefit of trade schools is one, they're usually less expensive than a four-year college, definitely. But also you're being taught by industry experts People who are actually working in the industry still versus at a, sometimes at a Community college, but also at a four year college. These are teachers who are teaching about the subject, they may have been in the industry at some point, but they're probably not currently in it. Right so you're getting real hands on mentorship and experience and trade schools are set up to want to guarantee you employment their popularity their success is based on the success of their graduates. Whereas a four-year college relies on the fact that oh, there's a career center here, we'll help you try and get a job if you come to us. Trade schools are focused on, we're gonna help you get a career by the time you graduate, how can we help you, what do you need? It's a very different dynamic. An apprenticeship program is actually paid work experience with college degrees or college credit added to it. And it depends on your area, whether or not they're, they're offered. Traditionally, a, across the Atlantic um, dynamic, Apprenticeships are huge in Europe, huge, right? They're starting to become more popular here. In South Carolina where we live, we're the nation's leading ap- uh, apprenticeship program. And we partner with all these big industries who came to us from Europe. We have Volvo, we have um, Blackbaud, we have I don't even know, oh, Boeing. You have all these things here. Well, they came, they went, we need apprentices. We didn't have any, so they built programs. And so you can go as an adult, work for two years, they pay you a scalable wage during those two years. You have a mentor who's working with you, training with you. You also take college classes at the same time. So by the time you're done, you're self-sufficient plus two years of experience and industry networking. What's not to like about that in my right. estimation, right? Yeah. Some, you can also do some of these programs as a high school student. And there is some definite determination about these because you have to finish your high school classes and do some of the college classes and you're working. So it's for a definite unique person who is really driven because there's a lot of work into that. But the industry areas vary by location. And so if your child is interested, I think here we have a huge hospitality one because Charleston is, you know, huge in hospitality. And um, we have a lot of air airplane mechanics and mechatronics and all kinds of things. So that's the second one. The third one is a gap year. And everybody, when I talk to a gap year, they freak out. No, my kid can't sit on the couch playing video games and working minimum wage for a year. That's nothing. Okay, gap years are very different than that. There's actually a gap year association. It's an accredited program that goes out and looks at all the programs that are out there and offers its certification. So you know you're getting something valuable. Plus they offer financial aid through the FAFSA. So you're not just doing some willy-nilly trip here. But what they do is they offer several things to students. One can be a mental break from the burnout they've probably achieved trying to get into that great college. If they still want to go to college, they always recommend deferring it for six months to a year and then taking your gap season before you start college. There is no reason not to at that point, especially for gaining experience that's going to help you for your career or just help you in personal development. right? The second type is doing a missions trip right if you're based in your faith and you want to go and serve in your faith then go do a missions trip this can be done while you're in high school before you go to college in between semesters it can be done at any point right there are fees associated with them they're not for free for sure but the experience you get is invaluable and it does come to a certain kind of kid is your kid ready to go off onto the world not knowing anybody, right? And being part of a group and learning on their own, is that something they can handle? So you've got to take a look at that. So then community colleges, oh, the next one is the military, often overlooked. And I, can I just tell you, when I was doing research for the book I wrote about all of this, the military impressed me the most. Yes, there are their political stuff and I'm not gonna touch that. What I'm talking to you is about the opportunities a student has in the military and there's three ways to do the military, you can enlist you can go through an ROTC program or you can go through a service academy. Enlistment usually comes right after high school Um, ROTC programs usually come after college and a service academy, you have to be accepted into it your education is free at that service academy with the caveat that you're paying it back with your service to your country in the military afterwards right. So there's all of these dynamics, the difference between the military and any other option is that the minute you enter, you are getting state of the art training because the government has to have the state of the art training to protect our country. Right. You're also getting paid and getting housing stipends and getting food stipends and getting full benefits from the minute you are in. No other option offers all of that to any student. Right. Now, I get it. Your mama heart is saying, but they might die in the front line. Yes, this is true. There are two things I have a response to that. And my research indicates that in you, when you choose to enlist in the military or go to service academy or so on, you get to choose your career field. Not all career fields are combat based. You don't have to be in combat. So there's not a guarantee that the military puts you on the front line. Right. Second. Should you choose that, if that's your child's heart, if that's where they really want to go and serve their country, should something happen, their family is taken care of for life. That doesn't happen in any other option. So those are some things. I don't ever want anybody to think that they have to do this so they can get anything. I'm just saying this is one of the benefits, but it can also be a drawback. Um, when I interviewed a captain in the US Navy, she's, and she serves on an Air Force, I mean, aircraft carrier, she said, think about an aircraft carrier. It is a microcosm of a city. Anything that you can think of that exists in the civilian world exists on an aircraft carrier. There are chefs, there are barbers, there are veterinarians for the dogs they might have on, on hand. There are mechanics, there are IT, there are cybersecurity everything you can think of is on that aircraft carrier the same is true for any military branch any career you can think of is in the military and someone who in, gets into the military gets that training and then graduates from it or you know um does not renew their contract they end up getting what's called a gi bill so when you're in the in the military you can get up to one year of college paid for and that's basically all i have time for in every four-year contract After that, you get up to three years of college paid for and a housing stipend to pay for housing while you're going to college. Hmm. There's no other option that gives you that either. So there's there's a whole host of benefits to this, but it also depends if you go to a service academy. So if you go to college first, you enter in as an officer versus after high school, you enter in as an enlistee. And that just causes different ranks and that causes different trainings and a whole bunch of other things. I tell parents, if your student is at all interested, go talk to a veteran, get the full honest story. Let your kid talk to the veteran privately. Do not be in that room. They gotta get it honest from themselves. Then meet a recruiter with a bunch of questions and don't sign anything that day. Because the one thing that is a definite difference is once you sign a contract with the military, it's a contract, you cannot decommit. Mm. So it has to be a very solid decision that you're making. Wow.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I know that everyone (laughs) listening took a bajillion notes like I did. And like I said, I have this coming up, like we're, we're going, she's at the end of her junior year. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I guess we have to start doing, you know, college uh, visits and things like that. And she personally wants to go into, um, psychology herself. And so, um, yeah, but it's just interesting to hear all of these different things. A gap year is definitely not off the table though. We've talked a lot about that. She has a travel bug in her, like her parents do. And uh-huh. so, um, yeah, whether that's, uh, you know, studying somewhere or doing mm-hmm. missions work, I don't know, but wow. Thank you for so much for laying this yeah. all out. Um, and yeah. you've given, I have, uh, a, lunch with my husband soon. And so I'm going to just bring my pad (laughs) of paper and be like, so we have all of this to talk about.
1: (laughs) Can I, can I give you, can I give you a little bit of, um, of direction on that conversation, not with your husband, with your daughter. And this is for all parents. We often take a look at what do you want to do? And they say, well, I might want to do something with psychology, which is fantastic, but rarely do we have them explore the actual different careers within that industry area. Mm -hmm. to define specifically what they want to do. Some things that they think associated with psychology actually fall under sociology. Mm. And so we wanna make sure that they really understand the dynamics of the potential careers. If she wants, for for example, to work in a clinical setting and be able to dispense medications, that's a whole doctorate program, completely different. And that sets you up for a whole different dynamic in terms of financing college and all kinds of things, right? But if that, what she wants to be is a clinical therapist or a psych, you know someone who a counselor in a counseling setting, that can be done in very different ways, right? So that can really help the conversation. And this is what I counsel parents on all the time. Help your child define the career or careers within the industry area they're interested in and then look at see how do you get into those careers? What does it take to get there? And that tends to help you see what you need to do. Right. Make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for her, we have done that work and that's, uh, so she wants to work with, uh, kids and mm-hmm. she wants to be and do a therapist in a clinical setting with kids. And yeah. so there's definitely different paths you could get there uh, so many, but the yeah. common theme seems to be like, get a psych, a psych degree from a four mm-hmm. year or sociology, yep. but, um, it's usually psych. And so, yep. um, But yeah. And she's doing dual enrollment. Um, We talked a little bit about this before we started recording and she's doing dual enrollment. So she'll go in probably as a second semester sophomore into college, which is good that she knows what she wants to do, because by that point, you're like, you need to lock in and start, you know, getting the gears going. Yes. but we'll see. She's also 16, you know, and <laughs> I am not, I am not going to be, you know, she wanted to be a teacher for a really, really long time. And, um, and then, you know, it kind of moved into this over the last few years. And I'm not going to say, well, you're 16, you made your decision and this is what you're doing until right. you're 65, right. you know? So right. um, yeah, we'll just see where life takes us, but knowing all the options is so important mm-hmm. and knowing it's not about the education. It's about the kid. It's about the person. It's about their life, right? Their yes, confidence yes. and respect in themselves and understanding and being wise out in the world. Um, that interpersonal, uh, emotional intelligence, like we talked about interpersonal yeah. relationships. Um, so they know how to connect with people mm-hmm. and, uh, and move through life and become, mm-hmm. you know, the, the self-driven leaders that they can be in whatever capacity that looks like. Right. Goodness, this was so good. Okay, well, before we, I know we are running a little bit late, but this is such great material. And I want to touch on just for a second. Um this idea of parental burnout because yeah. uh I think so many especially I work with a lot of uh teens and tweens we were talking about all the different labels those uh groups have. Right. Um uh, but anyway pretty much like 10 and up I work with um I work with everybody but that's the bulk because that is where a lot of parents are paying a little bit more attention they're noticing mm-hmm. some things that they aren't um you know so keen on maybe there's some separation some space there Um, And all of these things happening. But with that, there's a lot of parental burnout that happens there Mm -hmm. too, right? There's a Mm -hmm. lot of opinions when kids get Mm -hmm. into middle and high school, and Mm -hmm. it can feel like everything that you say, especially when you're talking about education or talking about their school uh, they, they see it, your child can see it as you're coming at them and yep. you're always in war mode, right. And yep. reprimand yep. mode. And that's not necessarily where your heart is, but right. it's their truth that they're seeing. So, uh, and that can really lead to burnout. So can you tell, tell me a little bit more about the parental burnout and what that looks like and what you see?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, parental burnout is a real thing. It's, mm. it's heaviness that we have towards our responsibilities as a parent. It's the ease we want to just abdicate those responsibilities because we don't want to fight with our kids anymore. We don't want that angst. We want to love our little babies that we used to have, they used to look up to us all the time and now they're not anymore. And what happened? And I don't even know, right? So this is what I've noticed. And again, I'm a parent of a 20-year-old and a 24-year-old. My daughter is a strong-willed child. If you've ever heard of Dr. Dobson's strong-willed, I, she could be the cover of that, time, that book. I mean, my goodness. And she ran me ragged because I was trying to control what she mm. did, because I was afraid as a parent that what she did was reflection on me as a parent. Mm. Very much afraid of that. And I think a lot of us, first and foremost, struggle with that. We believe that what our children do is reflection on us as a parent. And it's not. Right. It's, it's just not. Your children are individuals. They were created uniquely for themselves. And what they are is a reflection of themselves, not you. So I think that's the first part that I actually do talk with parents about is how much are you owning your child's life as representative of who you are as a parent? And that's a big question. A lot of parents don't stop to think about. I can definitely honestly tell you that my daughter, I owned what she did as my value. If she was behaving well in class, I was a good parent. If she was acting out in class, man, I had to fix it at home because I was messing up. It's not safe. It's not a good environment for your children or for us. And that definitely contributed to a lot of burnout. Mm. As I became a coach and I'm going to tell this short story and then we'll move on to how the burnout was affected. I had to do some practicing and my daughter happened to call me one night. She was in college at the time and she said, mom, I got this problem. I said, said, wait, I'm in this coaching program. Can I just try coaching you through this? Do you you mind? And she said, okay, she had no idea what I was doing, but (laughs) at the end of that conversation, we spent 45 minutes on the phone. I didn't offer a single shred of advice. I only asked her questions. And she said, mom, this was the best conversation you and I have ever had. Mm. I feel like you finally saw who I am. And now I know exactly what I want to do. And you helped me figure that out. You can't get better connection with your kids than that. And so the more I work with teenagers, I say the exact same things in a way that all parents do. I just get the kids to say it, not me. So when you're talking with your kids, the problem is we tend to talk at them. We tend to tell them We tend to offer our advice all with an amazing heart but we own all the research we want to learn everything about all these things so we can be intelligent enough to tell them all about it and we want to make sure they're getting their grades done in class and we're communicating with teachers and we're taking on all of these responsibilities because we're afraid our children won't be able to do it well what message does that send to your child tells them they're not capable so why would they try So as your child ages, what I tell parents to do is start backing away from owning anything within their world. And when they come to you with a problem, I don't know what to do. My friends are upset with me. What would you like to do about that? How do you want to handle that? What do you think is the cause of that? Don't tell them what they should do. Don't take on the ownership of their emotional drama. Let them own it and then walk away. Um, They have to figure out their futures. You can offer I'm here when you want to talk about your future. Just know that your dad and I or your mom and I or whatever we decided that by the time you're 18. If you're not taking care of you're not in a in some kind of education program you're going to be paying full rent here. So just so you know we're here to help you figure it all out, but this is the boundary we're setting and we never set those boundaries or expectations. We don't take the time to think about it because we're too busy fixing our kids problems instead of thinking about the kind of adult we want to raise. We want to raise resilient children. We want to raise problem solvers and critical thinkers, but we don't allow them to solve the problems in their own way or to critically think about what they want to do. This is why we have burnout. We are overwhelmed trying to fix our work problems, our marriage problems, our kids' problems, our friends' problems, and everything else, because this is what we are supposed to do, which is not true. The more we ask our children to own their own world and don't engage in the battles when they fight against it, the better off we're helping them. It's tough. It's not an easy transition at all. But can I tell you, my daughter, coming back to her, she had a ton of struggles when she was in college and we had told her she should come home and she didn't want to, she wanted to finish it out, strong will. (laughs) And so she did. And every time she'd call, I would cringe because it'd be some new drama. But when I started coaching, I was like, well, what opportunity was she going to figure out for herself today? How is she going to figure this out for herself? Let's see what happens. Whole different dynamic, right? So this is kind of what I hope parents learn to do is instead of increasing the mold around them by keeping them in it, we let go of the entire mold itself and let our children create it for themselves. And we get to guide them along that journey. Oh my gosh.
0: Yes. This is exactly. Um, I, I was just talking with someone the other day and doing some coaching and this is exactly what I was talking about. Like we, we are leading them and we mm-hmm. are helping them and we are doing exactly what you said. We are just asking them the questions and helping them figure it out, giving them the tools to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, this was truly amazing. I, I hope that everyone listening has been able to crack the mold, if not break the mold in okay. your understanding and in your thinking about what is going on in these teens and especially in their path toward their mm. future and what that's mm. going to do. So tell us, um, tell us, uh, where we can find you and get more information.
1: Yeah, the best place is stephaniehaines.net and that's my website and there's a specific page dedicated just to parents um, and I put on free resources on there. You know, when you sign up for those, I send emails each week just kind of encourage you equip you give you stuff right because I give a ton of stuff away. Um, the second place if you're on Instagram, go to Ed Coach Steph Haynes, and you can follow me on there and see what I've got in terms of advice and suggestions and just strategies. The third place and the newest place I'm most excited about is on YouTube. I just launched a new YouTube channel that is talking to parents and educators. So from the, both sides of that experience, I'm talking into how can we best equip teens, and it's not named yet because I need 100 subscribers. So I'm offering a contest if you want to do it. But go to Stephanie Haynes LLC on YouTube, and you will be able to find my channel there. And there's just a ton of free content, and I I feel like it's important to Just equip parents as best as I can, equip educators in schools as best as I can, because they're the ones that influence the teams around them. If you're interested in more of what I've just talked about today, my book is on Amazon and it's called College is Not Mandatory, A Parent's Guide to Navigating All the Options Available to Our Kids After High School. And it has the background we kind of covered, all of the options. And then I give a coaching guide. How do you have these conversations with your kids? How do you set them up? What does it look like And what kind of questions do I ask? I put them all in the guide there. And you, of course, customize them for your own child.
0: All right. Well, I just subscribed to your YouTube. So, Thank yay. You. And I hope uh, you listening do too. Um, this was a wonderful talk. Thank you so much for being here and all of the topics that we covered. I know it was super impactful to me and I know it was for others as well. Thank you okay. so much, you guys. And I will see you next week on another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast. Happy building. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that want to love, support, connect or reconnect and really, truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life and that's what goes into these first 6570 days and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives so come join the club you can find your invitation on the front page of my website nellyharden.com that is n-e-l-l-i-e-h-a-r-d-e-n.com thank you again for being a part of this conversation today and if something really resonated with you or if you have a question please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you love the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.